welcome to the show. It's Unbossed and I am your host, Nina Turner. So glad to have you here today. You know it's Monday, so you know what it is. You know what it is. It is Jackson White Monday. Jackson, it's so good to have you here with us on another fabulous Monday. How are you? Another today? fabulous Monday. Last Monday I was 10 types of terrific and this Monday I'm fairly fantastic. You know what I'm saying? I'm full of positivity and I'm ready to do what we gotta do. So it's always good to be with you on Monday. Every Monday I'm gonna have some type of rhyming like this. <laughs> I'm great today. Some type of slogan that just expresses how, how good I feel to be here. You know what I'm saying? Because every day is a blessing, you know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I love that. I can't wait to to hear what you're coming up with next. Yep. This is a beautiful thing. <laughs> yep. Definitely a beautiful thing. Well, we're gonna get this party started. Unionization. We're gonna start with unions. You know, we always talk about workers' rights and unions and solidarity among working people, whether they are among the working poor or they're in the middle or they're at the upper echelons of that working. If you don't have a sugar daddy, a sugar mama, a sugar somebody, baby, if you work for a living, you are among the working people and love to see it. So every worker has a right to have a seat at the bargaining table and the unionization is hitting every sector. This headline right here, sisters and brothers and family and friends, brings me so much joy. LA strip club dancers vote to unionize, finally, a seat at the table. This reporting is coming from the USA Today. And what could define live entertainment history? They're making history, baby. 15 months after attempting to unionize, dancers at a Los Angeles gentlemen's club are one step closer to becoming the first group of strippers to form a union in America. That's right, you heard it. And let's give you some of the backstory. The employees took to the streets to protest about unsafe work conditions and other concerns that they have had. And we all know most often when workers are rising up, they are rising up for three pivotal reasons, wages, work conditions and benefits. Now it may be a whole lot under those three umbrellas, but mainly it is those three major things. And they filed a petition for a union election with the National Labor Relations Board in August of 2022. We mentioned the NLRB often on the show, and so we just wanna remind you what that stands for. The National Labor Relations Board is an independent federal agency that protects the rights of private sector employees to join together with or without a union to improve their wages and work conditions. Go ahead and put an exclamation point, underline the message in a bottle, baby. and. It is so wonderful to see this happening because of course it is going to have a ripple effect in this particular sector. The the Actors Equity Association president Kate Schindel said the following, every worker who wants a union deserves a union. The star garden dancers have been absolute warriors throughout this long process and I'm thrilled that we've won recognition of their rights to safe to safety and democracy in the workplace and representation at the bargaining table. The star garden dancers, they weighed in on this moment as well. And they had the following to say, I'm excited that all of my beautiful co-workers will finally have a seat at the table and a voice to discuss safety and other issues. This is a big day for us and dancers everywhere. That's Cinder, it's one of the star garden dancers and then one of her colleagues, the entire strip club industry. Strippers who want to unionize their workplaces and have a voice in the way their clubs are run now have a clear path forward. That's Lilith, again, a star garden dancer. Ah, Jackson, Action Jackson, what say you on this? Well, I think that you know um, a lot of people may overlook uh, the fact that strippers work in physical locations. You know, so uh, this isn't necessarily the same thing as like maybe an OnlyFans model where you're at home and you don't have to deal with having to show up to work, deal with management. But this is a situation where they're you know everyday regular employees. They have to show up to work on time. They have to split the money that they get. So they absolutely have issues that they run into, especially during a recession. Oftentimes, strippers will be the first ones to tell you that everybody broke. You know what I'm saying? So 
it definitely, uh, you know, and again, in terms of them being having a physical location to show up to, they face the same type of workers' issues that everyone else does. And also, um, we need a lot more of this because this is really the only way that we're going to see real change for the working class moving forward, given the fact that there's so, so much corporate corruption in the system at the federal, state, and local levels. The only way that we can properly combat that type of influence is if we come together and force the managerial class basically to just be more fair with this. So I think that this is great. And again, it makes perfect sense. So yeah, it definitely it good news. It is very good news. And as some of the Star Garden dancers mentioned, this does open a pathway for other dancers who find themselves in the same position. It will give people a lot of courage and a lot of hope. Unionization, baby, that is absolutely the way to go. Y'all go ahead and get it. We're gonna keep you up on this to see if others try to unionize as well. But this is certainly a beautiful, beautiful thing. Oh, we moving it onto, onto another type of politics. In walks Senator Tim Scott, another person has officially entered the presidential ring. And that person is South Carolina GOP Senator Tim Scott. Take a look at his announcement video. Joe Biden and the radical left are attacking every single rung of the ladder that helped me climb. And that's why I'm announcing today that I'm running for president of the United States of America. President of the United States of America, baby. That was Senator Tim Scott. <laughs> he just had to throw in something about the radical left. I don't know about a radical left, but I definitely know about a radical right. But that was his announcement. The rep filed his candidacy with the Federal Elections Commission, the FEC, on Friday, which you can see here. That is it right there. He is doing the daggone thing. He is absolutely in this race. Now, back in April, Rep. or Senator Scott launched an exploratory committee so that everyone honestly knew what was coming. It's really no surprise he was exploring. This was a serious exploration and here we are. Now, according to an advisor, Senator Scott got a lot of cash to blow. He got a lot of money to blow on this race. Rep Tim or or Senator Tim Scott's campaign has brought 5.5 million in television ads that will air statewide in, in the early voting states of Iowa and New Hampshire. The ads will run through the first GOP presidential debate in a buy that includes broadcast TV, cable, satellite, and radio. This is coming from CBS News. I do want to say to our audience, Jackson, that it is Senator Tim Scott, he's not a representative. So that news source got his title wrong. He is actually the only African American senator in the United States Senate at the moment. So again, that is Senator Tim Scott. Now Scott's campaign will also launch what his advisor said. What his advisor said was a substantial seven figure digital ad campaign during that period. This is the largest candidate ad buy of the 2024 GOP primary campaign to date. Scott enters the race with $22 million cash on hand. Now Scott was the first black senator, US senator that is, because we know that states have state senators and state reps. He was the first African American federal senator elected from the South since reconstruction. He is positioning himself as the optimistic candidate in the 2024 Republican field. That is what he is doing, Jackson. What what was that dude's name who was running? Maybe it was around Obama time. He's like, we're gonna go to this state. We're gonna go to that state. He's like, yeah, like you know, what I'm talking about. Oh, um, Howard Dean, Governor Howard Dean. Yeah, Howard Dean. Yeah, yeah. that that, that reminded me uh, just a little bit of that. Uh, but I actually yeah. was was looking into this, and I think that um, you know, the reality is is that Tim Scott, you know, he, he knows that he's not going to become president. But as you pointed out. 
he's one of the biggest uh, fundraisers in the Republican Party. And so him being on the campaign trail, talking about Republican ideas, shaking hands with different types of donors um, and making connections. Overall, it'll be a good move for his career. Just you know, when you count the X and O's, he has no chance of becoming president. His first cardinal sin is being a black man in the Republican Party, so that just eliminates it first and foremost. But um, other than that, you know, right now the Republican Party is still pretty much entirely behind Trump. With every week that passes, Ron DeSantis uh, is actually losing points. And so um, Tim Scott's entire campaign, though, is basically just going to be like, and he's already said it. Basically, like America's not a racist place because look at me, I'm a black man and I'm successful. So that's pretty much what he's going to say at every stop, and it's gonna it's gonna raise money for the Republicans. So this is really just a big fundraising tour for the GOP. Yeah, and you know what? One black man, one black woman, one black person does not make for a systemic change, and people don't <laughs> right. understand that. You know, even on the Democratic <laughs> side, I mean, you you point out that the his you know a hurdle for him will be being a black man in the GOP. I would argue that is also a hurdle for black people in the Democratic in general, party yeah, as yeah. well. Uh, we've only had one black president in the history of this country, and counting just one. So <laughs> one does not mean that the system it does not need fixed. So Senator Tim Scott is in this race. He's gonna spice it up in a whole lot of different ways and we'll see what happens. And I don't know, Jackson, maybe, maybe for him, I mean certainly he's a relatively young man. So you know he could be laying the foundation for future endeavors or for vice president. You know, who knows? But he's in the race and he is obviously running. And we're gonna keep an eye on both the Democratic side of the ledger and the Republican side of the ledger. Now let's go to President Donald J. Trump. He's not bullying Senator Tim Scott so far, no nickname yet. Let's take a look at what President Trump put out on his truth social. Good luck to Senator Tim Scott in entering the Republican primary race. It is rapidly loading up with lots of people. And Tim is a big step up from Ron, the saint, <laughs> who is totally unelectable. Underline it, underscore it, message in a bottle, baby, exclamation point on that. <laughs> Woo, President Donald Trump, now you, you I, won't let I, Hey, I don't agree much. <laughs> Y'all put Jackson up, keep the quote, keep that up. I don't agree much with President Donald J. Trump. Let's just say 99.9% of the time we will not agree. But when he goes in on Ron DeSantis, <laughs> baby, get the popcorn out. I right. love to see it because Governor Ron DeSantis, based on his actions, the things that he has done and doing so far in the great state of Florida is dangerous for America. And it, send us, it sends us back down a path of generations gone by, even though some of those people are still walking the face of this earth right now. But it really, from what he's doing to, to the LGBTQ plus community, what he's doing to the black community, all of that stuff, you name it. Him taking over the education system, telling educators what they can teach and what they cannot teach in the classroom, especially as it pertains to African American history in this country. His fight with Disney. I mean, who in the heaven fights with Disney <laughs> unless you're fighting on behalf of the workers? And Jackson, you and I both know he ain't. He is not no, he, fighting. No, on behalf he ain't doing that. He ain't definitely doing ain't that. doing that. Disney, it makes absolutely no sense. So let me finish what President Donald J. Trump had to say, because I, I, I really, <laughs> he go in on, on Ronnie Boy. I love it so much. Uh, who is totally unelectable. I got Opportunity Zones done with Tim, a big deal that has been highly successful. Good luck, Tim. <laughs> and you know, Jackson, I wonder if the president, you know, if Tim Scott, if Senator Tim Scott escapes getting a special name from President Donald J. Trump, that in in and of itself will be a miracle. It, it, it will be, and, and I think he I think he probably will because he doesn't see him as any kind of real threat. And too, like it, you know, Ron DeSantis is kind of like the, his most direct threat, but also just in terms of Trump's, you know, like uh, one track. Yeah, everyone has to be loyal to me, mine, but I'm not loyal to anyone else. You know, uh, in a lot of ways, Donald Trump put Ron DeSantis where he is. So it's kind of he a did. different, it's kind of a different dynamic. You know, like you said, like, oh, me and Tim, we, we pass some laws together and it's really good. And Tim hasn't said anything 
um, against Donald Trump whatsoever. So if that changes, though, if he were to start talking bad about Trump, then oh yeah, yeah, yeah then a nickname would absolutely come out. But yeah, yeah, you're right. That broken clock situation when Trump goes after Ron DeSantis, it's just it's great every time you see it. <laughs> every single time you yep. see, it. but we will we'll see what Senator Scott does. You make a good point. As long as he doesn't go full frontal on President Trump, President Trump probably will not go full frontal on him. Now, Senator Scott has said some interesting things on stage. Let's take a look. As a freshman in high school, I wasn't doing very well. As he said, I felt four subjects: Spanish and English, world geography, and civics. Now. For those of you not familiar with civics, civics is the study of politics. I will say this though, I'll say this, a hallelujah, yes, 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 I'll say this though, I'll say this. After 10 years in the Senate, I am not the only one failing civics in the nation's capital. I'm not the only one. Well, you know, I really don't get that. I'm not, you know, that that just the correlation he's using is not making a whole lot of sense to me, but it makes sense <laughs> to him. He's telling a part of his story, and his story is his story. So, you know, I'm not gonna argue with it. So here are the folks that have announced that they are running for president so far. And this is still very young. We still got a long way to go. Who's running for president in 2024? Well, here they are. On the Democratic side, you have President Joe Biden, Biden running for re-election. You have Marianne Williamson and you have RFK, Robert Kennedy Jr. On the Democratic side, let us note that the DNC so far has said that they will not have any debates. You have a lot of mainstream media folks saying that there are not any real candidates in air quotes. You can't see me air quoting, air quotes, no real candidates in the race. Like somebody has made them <laughs> the deciders of who's real and who is not real. I me mean, last time I checked, Marianne Williamson and, and RFK are pretty real to me. I mean, they walking, they talking, they, they're real, but that's that. And on the Republican side, we have former President Donald J. Trump. We have former Governor Nikki Haley. We got Ramswamy, Hutchison, Elders, and Scott. And then other Republicans who are expected to run a none other than a governor Ron DeSantis, AKA DeSanctimonious and former Vice President Pence. Your final thoughts on this, Jack. I forgot Larry Elder was running for president until you just too, yeah, until I did too. But until I you had that list before I'm sorry because I'm jumping on your yeah. comments. I mean, they got some diversity happening on the Republican side so far as yeah. compared to yeah. uh, the, the Democratic side so far. And you all listen, we're saying so far, this is how it stands as of today. Things will change rapidly as time goes on, Jackson. And um, out of the people on the Republican list, uh, well, you know, Pence, he he wants he can't stop talking about cutting Social Security and Medicare. Nikki Haley actually does a very good job roasting Ron DeSantis too. If you haven't checked that out, I, I highly recommend it. it. It's quite funny. Ramaswamy wants to raise the voting age to 25. Asa Hutchinson is like, yeah, we're going to sign a national abortion ban. And uh, Larry Elder's insane. And Tim Scott, I guess, isn't horrible, but he's he he doesn't really have a shot, so you know well, he's you not know, great. <laughs> but you did you did point out Jackson. I mean, I was thinking the same thing, but you said it. I mean, when this man was asked a direct question about was this nation founded on racism <laughs> or anti-blackness no. or bigotry, he said, "Oh no, absolutely no. not." And the vice president Harris, you know, I'm gonna just. Put up, put the facts out that she was asked the same thing and she gave the same answer. And I really do have a problem when black folks just can't simply tell the truth about the history of this nation. It may be something that you don't want to be true, but you can't rewrite the history of this nation. Those are the facts. And anybody to deny that, they wrong. We got all the receipts. You want to talk about receipts? We got all the receipts on this. And it's just, and to me, it's self-loathing, especially for any black person to say that's not true. And then for Swami, you know, he argued, he argued Don Lemon down on CNN 
about the history of black people and what really set black people free. So a lot of interesting, interesting people. That's my PG version of <laughs> on the Republican side. And we see what's happening on the Democratic side. And I, I hope more people get in the race on both the GOP and the Republicans. I mean, the GOP is the Republicans, but both the GOP side and the Democratic side, the more the merrier, baby. Y'all just go ahead and jump in. The water is fine. This is a representative democracy. There are no kings and queens. Nobody should have a coronation. So if people want to run, let them run. Now, you may not like that they're running, but they have every right to run. Some people are running for very selfish reasons, in my opinion. But here we are. So we will keep you updated as this race continues to heat up, baby. Nice and hot. Wrap your mind around what Jackson and I just talked about in this first few minutes of the start of Unbossed. And we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the show. A $4.99, $4.99 membership to TYT. Become a member. It means so much to us. This is how you keep independent media strong. In order for us to stay strong and to be able to keep bringing you the news like no other, you got to become a member. Now, $4.99 might not seem like a lot. But with it, TYT has raised progressive voices nationwide. Membership helps us to make a positive, to continue to make a positive impact and get the uninterrupted representation we deserve in our government. TYT is committed. We are absolutely committed to making positive change happen, but we cannot do that. Absolutely cannot do that without you, boo. So become a member of TYT. And as far as Unbossed, now you know you can catch us video on demand. Go ahead and put the phone up to the Q code. Send the send this code to friends and frenemies, baby. Tell them to tune in to one of the best hours of their day. And if they can't catch us live, they can do video on demand or podcast wherever you get your podcast. Encourage people to check out Unbossed Baby. Now to my favorite part of the show, we're going to viewer comments. We're starting off with Twitch Black Madge. Nina Turner for president 2024. <laughs> Thank you, Match. We need you. some more faces. You know what I'm saying? We we only got two right now. And, and they ain't even trying to debate. You know what I mean? And they <laughs> not trying to debate that. My entering the race would definitely stir a whole bunch of debates. Let's get let's let's get them through right now. Just do it. Just just cut the primaries totally. <laughs> Oh, thank you, thank you, Black Match. I appreciate that so much. And C Prince, hey, C Prince Jackson with an exclamation point. I thought the same thing about Howard D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's like the first thing that yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that too, so I'm glad that you brought it up. It did have a lot of Howard Dean vibes. And Nina, you're amazing. Always love hearing you read my comments. Oh, thank you, C Prince. I'm, you're amazing as well. And then on YouTube, Super Chat, Christina. Hey, Christina. Yes, Nina and Jackson took over took took over Mondays exclamation points. It's the takeover team with a whole bunch of purple hearts. Thank you for that, Christina. We love that. And our TYT members, Vicky. Hello, Vicky. Happy Monday to you. Nina, you need to throw your glasses into that presidential race. Thank you, baby. I, I, I Vicky, I'm just gonna tell you now, I don't even think that the universe is ready for all of that. But I, I receive it, baby, because this will be intergalactic. The <laughs> whole country will flip on his head. The whole, <laughs> the, the country <laughs> the world and the stratosphere, baby. They not ready for this, but thank you all so much for your comments. We appreciate you so very much. Now we wanna give you a short update. The woman and the city bike situation. Last week on the show, we covered the viral video of the New York, the New York nurse and the confrontation she got in with a group of young black men over a city bike rental. And a reminder, here is the video. Please get off me. Hey, what the fuck is going on, bro? Yo, yo, don't let him take it, bro. Now you're not getting the bike, bro. Hey, now you're not getting the bike, bro. Help! 
Now the video is certainly a little longer than that. You can see the confrontation between the two over the bike. She snatches the the young man's phone. He said, you know, get off me. She said, you hurting my my unborn child or fetus. And it continued to escalate from there. Now there are, and I, I really do, I encourage everyone to go and watch the video for yourself. You know that that video is a snapshot in time, but you go and watch the video and you determine who was the aggressor and who was not. Now there are some updates and according to reporting from Daily Mail, a New York City nurse accused of taking a city bike from a black man outside a hospital has been named by friends as they raise money for her legal fees. Sarah Comrie, 36, has been identified in a GoFundMe, which is calling for donations to help fund the legal bills to save her livelihood and reputation. It comes as DailyMail.com can reveal the nurse's city bike receipt, which her lawyer claims proves the bike she was clutching in the footage was booked by her as the number on the handlebars match the documents. Now here is a photo of the receipt that was provided. As you can see, it has the number 560-315. Thanks for riding with us, et cetera, et cetera. May 12, 2023. And they're saying that the receipt matches the number that was on the handlebars. Now, Justin Marino, Comrie's lawyer, stated the following. The receipt shows unequivocally that she got the bike first, but there is no animosity towards the men in the video. We frankly wish them the best in the future. The focus is clearing her name and going after the publications and high profile names that defamed her. This is coming from her lawyer. Again, as we bring Jackson into this conversation with me, I just want to remind people to watch the video for yourself. It is really the actions that took place for me more than anything else. Again, the video is a lot longer than what we just showed in that clip today on the show. But yeah, go and watch the video and say, you know, let us know if whether or not you thought her behavior was out of line. That really, she she went over the top with this. Your thoughts, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of her yelling out for help, that's really what draw uh, drew everyone's attention, which you know could have got them into uh, trouble, and you know perhaps things could have went down differently. But as you pointed out, it's really her behavior that kind of put her into that Karen profile. Uh, had she not done that, then people wouldn't have been talking about it. Yeah, that's absolutely right. We would not be talking about this. And as you can see, she snatched their phone. And then further in the video, it does show that she starts to cry when a gentleman comes up to find out what's going on with her. And then the crying stops and she makes a call, et cetera, et cetera. So we will keep you all posted on this story, but we just wanted to make sure that you had the latest, the receipt matches. And her attorneys will take it as far as they are going to take it. I, we got a feeling that this will not be the end of this story. Florida traveling warning. We going to the all used to be sunshine state. It ain't shining so much because of this dude right here that you see on your screen, Governor De Sanctimonious. Every day, Florida inches closer and closer to being a total dystopian hellscape. And we meant that. Some may say it's already there. And now the NAACP has issued a travel warning. Here it is, NAACP issues travel advisory in Florida. Now the, the travel advisory comes in direct response to Governor Ron DeSantis' aggressive attempts to erase black history. And it, in, in, in addition to the governor's restricting diversity, equity, and inclusion programs in Florida schools, the formal travel notice states the following. Florida is openly hostile towards African Americans, people of color, and the LGBTQ plus 
community, but it says individuals. Before traveling to Florida, please understand that the state of Florida devalues and marginalizes the contributions of and the challenges faced by African Americans and other communities of color. And this statement is coming from the NAACP Board of Directors. Now under the leadership, it goes on, of Governor DeSantis, the state of Florida has become hostile to black Americans and in direct conflict with the democratic ideas that our nation was founded <laughs> upon. Let me pause right there, go ahead and put Jackson up by this <laughs> and let's keep it up. Jackson, I just can't go, well, you know what? Let me just go ahead and read it and then I'm gonna put my commentary on this. He should know that democracy will prevail because its defenders are prepared to stand up and fight. We're not backing down and we encourage our allies to join us in the battle for the soul of our nation. So first of all, I am glad that the NAACP Board of Directors stepped out here to call this what it is, taking it to the streets on Governor Ron DeSantis. The thing though, Jackson, for me that always gets me with statements like this and the NAACP Board of Directors is not the only one to frame it, to phrase it this way when they say, that indirect conflict with the democratic ideas that our nation was founded upon. That right there is not true. Ron DeSantis, his actions are really in line with the principles that this nation was founded upon. I know it hurts to say it, I know it hurts to admit it, but those are the facts. And so although I understand exactly where the NAACP border, national board of directors are going, I applaud their efforts to push back on this dude in the way that they are. Let's be real here. If you're gonna go down this path with him, be honest about the fact that he is going back to a time in this country that is really unacceptable. He's using the power of his office in ways that are not acceptable for 21st century America. But make no mistake, America was founded by stealing the, the land of the indigenous people, by enslaving Africans and then later their African descendants, redlining, black codes, you know, Jim Crow, you name it, it was founded on all of that and so much more. And that's exactly one of the reasons why Ron DeSantis and other Republicans are so focused on, you know, quote unquote critical race theory and eliminating it from children's books and in any way that they can. And it's very good that the NAACP put this warning out because Ron DeSantis is basically using Florida as like a, a, a test subject to make every, you know, the furthest right wing policies that he can. How can I push this forward? How can I make this state as unattractive as possible to anyone who isn't, you know, basically within the MAGA group? And it's always hilarious this notion that, you know, we got to get these migrants out of Florida because Latinos have been in Florida since Spain was in control of the state, uh, you know, since before we got it from them after the, the Spanish American War. So, you know, and then too, you with uh, Fidel Castro sending the Cubans over in the 70s. And it's just so much of the foundation of the state of Florida is not just Latino, but migrants, period. You know, you got Cuba, you got Jamaica, you got Haiti right there. This isn't new. Um, but you know, it's just the same old story of trying to make people feel like outsiders in their own land. And again, everything Ron DeSantis is doing, despite the fact that it's unpopular, a certain portion of the country is full uh, fully in favor of it. So he's gonna yeah. continue down this path and it's good that the NAACP is letting people know that he ain't stopping this. That's right, and and what he knows exactly what he's doing, and others from the GOP that use this as a tactic, they are speaking in a visceral. You know, it has a visceral response. The othering of people, and other people are taking your stuff, and oh, they talking bad about the United States of America because this country was founded on integrity and love and decency and, and entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship, <laughs> you got that entrepreneurship right. Got somebody else doing all the work, but entrepreneurship yep. for sure. <laughs> And you are right, we on this show about a week ago, we did show that what Governor Ron DeSantis is doing is not popular, that it is not polling well, that the American people are not buying what he is selling. But your point, Jackson, about there is a certain segment of this population that they really, they get up in arms over this kind of stuff. They get stoked by it and that's exactly what he wants. Now for the NAACP, this is not the first time that this group has issued a travel warning on Florida. 
Equity Florida and LGBTQ plus advocacy group issued a travel advisory in April. So good on folks. Hateful laws may make Florida unsafe for travel. LGBTQ plus advocates say Equity Florida and the Florida Immigrant Coalition have issued travel advisories warning visitors about the prejudice. And we also know that Dwayne Wade, Jackson, for example, you know, left took his family or is taking his family out of that state for some of these same reasons. So again, I applaud the NAACP and other groups who are standing up to this man and fighting back. The Florida Immigrant Coalition also issued a warning, traveling to Florida is dangerous. That's it, exclamation point that right there. Reconsider travel to Florida due to unconstitutional law that targets immigrant communities and abuse civil liberties. Caution advised for travelers to Florida. And they just really lay it out. And now the right wing has had quite the reaction. They losing their stuff over this. Listen to what Rep Byron had to say on Fox News about the travel ban. They say regarding the hostility toward African Americans in Florida, do you feel hostility? <laughs> no, no. I, again, this is so dumb. I don't even know what we're talking about, man. <laughs> the only hostility I feel is this inflation hitting my pocketbook. I'll tell you that because that inflation hitting everybody—that is hostile. You wow. know, when the price of food is up, when the price of gas, which is still up, um, and the fact that fentanyl is coming into every community mm-hmm. in, in our country because of Joe Biden, maybe the NAACP should be focused on that. Now the travel advisory, I should say, because I misspoke, I call it a ban, but the travel advisory. So I mean, Rep Byron, really, all of those things can be true all at once. Yeah, inflation is very high, it's hitting the American people in ways that hurt. You and the Republicans ought to be standing up for that and working together with Democrats to truly do something about it. To help all people, whether they rock Republican or they rock Democrat or Libertarian or not rocking with any party at all. But that is not what politicians like him, that's not what they're doing. It's their job. I mean, ain't that, that's so cute, Jackson. He calling on the NAACP to do their job. That's cute. Right, right. And it, well, it's always, you know, like a huge paradox. People who don't believe in government, that they love being a part of it, you know, basically so they can just destroy the government's ability to serve the people. But I have to say that one of the things that kills me about black Republicans more than anything else is the airs that they have. Like they somehow see something that other black people don't, and they care about the community more than everyone else, despite the fact that absolutely everyone around them is white. You know what I'm saying? It's like you ain't got no white friends, nobody in 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 your association with who you work for uh, is black. Basically, I said it the wrong the first time. Basically, everybody in your life is white. You sitting up here putting out airs, acting like you care more about the community. And, and the only way that you can stay in that party is if you say this type of stuff that you're saying, because you can't be up in that party telling the truth in any type of way. So it's just always ridiculous to see that. And then people like that will look at somebody me and be like, oh, you're half white, you're light skinned, so you can't say that. But it'd be like again, well. I have black friends and you don't, so I, I guess there's that. But it, that really always kills me. Yeah, it's quite something. And DeSantis's press secretary weighed in, Jeremy Redfern, responded to the NAACP with the following travel advisory announcement on Twitter. He tweeted, "Under this is a stunt." So that's that's the main thing. So he quote tweeted on top of the NAACP tweet, this is a stunt. I thought he was really referring to his boss, really. That caption to me <laughs> is Governor Ron DeSantis is a stunt. That's what I thought. That's what I thought the, the, the secretary That was perfect, right? Press that was person, perfect. Right? That is it. That's what I thought that his press secretary was calling his boss <laughs> a stunt. This is a stunt. Civics education, this is a stunt. <laughs> Oh Lord, he might regret putting that under there. But no, this is not a <laughs> the NAACP telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth about what is happening in the great state of Florida and what's happening in states all over this country where GOP are in control, both of governors' mansions and also legislatures. I mean, they are really dismantling progress in this country. They are banning books. You know, you would think that this governor would have better things to do with the taxpayers' dollars, using millions of dollars to put migrants on buses and planes and using them as political pawns, dropping them off places, and using taxpayers' dollars to do it. 
I mean, come on, Florida. Y'all could do so much better, so much, so much better than Ron DeSantis. And you know, Jackson, I'm old enough to remember when there was when when Andrew Gillum was running against Ron DeSantis before he became governor. And oh my God, I wish we had the video, but 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 Mayor Gillum really really laid out the type of person that we're dealing with in Ron DeSantis. And he basically ended and I'm paraphrasing, you guys go watch this video too. But in the debate about the support that Ron DeSantis was getting from white supremacists. And Mayor Gillum says something like, hey, you might not be one, but the white supremacists think think you are, you know, they think yeah. you're one. You know, it was, yeah. it was good, it was like total mic drop. On Ron DeSantis, he was so stunned he could barely say another word after Mayor Gillum gave him that left and that right hook on that one. I mean, it was real. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't thought about that in, in quite some time, but yeah, that was probably uh, the most iconic moment in terms of uh, the debates that they had between one another. Yeah, but yeah, Ron DeSantis is, and he just said he he's not backing off. He's never going to back off with his war from Disney. So. He's no. gonna keep on doing what he's doing. He, he's gonna keep on at it, but there's no reason for us to think otherwise. That's right. I mean, he's getting a lot of money. I mean, he's definitely raising a whole lot of money, even though he's out of step with the American people. So we'll keep everybody posted on this in a fight with Disney. God help us all. <laughs> Warner Brothers CEO gets booed at a commencement. Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslow gave the commencement speech at Boston University's commencement. Ceremony on Sunday. Take a look at this. If you want to be successful, you're going to have to figure out how to get along with everyone. And that includes difficult people. Some people. will be looking for a fight. Some people will be looking for a fight. You got that right. Those voices that you heard in the background were the voices of the students demanding that David pay his writers. They're referring to the ongoing writer strike set in motion earlier this month. After weeks of negotiating with Zaslow's company, as well as Amazon, Apple, Disney, NBC, Universal, Netflix, Paramount, and Sony, under the alliance of motion picture and television producers, the Writers Guild of America launched the strike in early May, saying that the studio's responses to our proposals have been wholly insufficient, giving the existential crisis writers are facing. This reporting is coming from Common Dreams. Thank you, Jessica. The same week, BU announced Zaslov as a commencement speaker, sparking backlash from students, alumna, alumni, community members, and the WGA East Director of Communications, Jason Gordon, who expressed deep disappointment with the university over its poor decision to provide the industry CEO with a platform. I mean, you talk about not being aware of what the hell is happening in the world. Gordon at the time called on a response by students and the WGA. Boston University should not give voice to someone who wants to destroy their students' ability to build a career in the film and television industry. The university should expect students, writers, writers, guild members, as well as other unions and community groups to picket Zaslow's commencement address. That's coming from Jason Gordon, Director of Communications for WGA. And he's the East Director of Communications. And as you can can tell by the video, the students showed their support for striking workers. Good for them. Here are some tweets from those who were on the picket line outside of Boston University. Mike Connerly, a state rep from Massachusetts and member of the Democratic Socialists of America, showed his support right there. Zaslov, solitaire, you know, F him basically, and then solidarity with the right. And this tweet as well was very representative of the mood. After getting booed by BU students, David Zaslow had to cross the WGA picket line and scabby the rat on his way out to the VIP exit. Sorry, 
not sorry. Now the Writers Guild of America East put out the following tweet. The WGA is thankful to all the BU graduates for chanting pay your writers at Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslow while he delivered the 2023 commencement address. And as a reminder, writers are striking for, I know you can guess what they're striking for, higher pay. Striking workers demand from studios, which include pay increases and limits on artificial intelligence, would gain writers approximately 429 million per year. According to WGA, AMPTP's offer is approximately 86 million per year, 48% of which is from the minimus increase. I mean, they want bet more money, right? That's what workers want. Your thoughts on this, Jackson? Yeah, it, it was a. This is a very easy mistake to avoid. You know, bringing somebody like that to a university like that. He, they essentially just brought some rich guy to 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 talk for a few minutes. He was in there looking like he was trying to be like Jack Nicholson when he was a younger man with them glasses on. You know what I'm saying? But. Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty thoughtless, you know, like bringing an old white man to a HBCU to say something like, "Pull your pants up and turn your music down, and you'll get a job." Like, <laughs> essentially, but uh, it was pretty cool to see the BU students do that and just bringing him in that environment at all, and, and how um, you know symbolic of just what the whole nation is going through right now. Anyway, we're seeing more and more people unionize. We're seeing more people come together uh, because people are realizing that that's the only way that we really can see the change that we need, especially when it comes to workers' rights. So um, this unintentionally ended up being a beautiful commercial for unions and left-wing politics. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree with you. You said that he reminded you of of. Of Jack, Jack Nicholson, Nicholson. <laughs> yeah, with the I, glasses. I was, I was thinking more President Biden, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Actually, that's a bit close. But no, the that's features and everything. You're absolutely right. But when I <laughs> yeah. see the sunglasses, I'm like, here we go, here we go, here we go. All right. And speaking of here we go, we're going on to something that is just. It's a tribute, you know, actually to a great man in memory of the great Jim Brown. Just as we were about to go on air Friday, we learned about the passing of the iconic football player and civil rights champion Jim Brown, who passed away at the age of 87 years old. Brown passed away Thursday night, according to a statement from his family and an Instagram post from his wife, Monique Brown. And this is the, the post, and it's so beautiful. It is with profound sadness that I announced the passing of my husband, Jim Brown. He passed peacefully last night at our LA home. To the world, he was an activist, actor, and football star. To our family, he was a loving and wonderful husband, father, and grandfather. Our hearts are broken. And that that is coming from his wife, Monique Brown. I mean, just so touching, I, I, I could feel the vibes. Uh, just even looking at her really beautiful post. And Brown is considered by many to be the greatest football player of all time. Playing for the Browns from 1957, and this is my hometown, playing for the Browns from 1957 to 1965. After earning all American honors at Syracuse University in football and lacrosse, Brown helped take Cleveland to the 1964 National Football League champion. Chip, he never missed a game, uh, piercing defensive lines in 118 consecutive regular season games. Though he played one year with a broken toe and another with a sprained wrist. He was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1971, Lacrosse Hall of Fame in 1984, and the College Football Hall of Fame in 1995. But we do know that Jim Brown was much more than a football player in his show during the civil rights struggle when the modern civil rights movement gained momentum in the 1950s. Few elite athletes spoke out on racial issues, but Brown had no hesitation working to promote economic development in Cleveland's black neighborhoods while playing for the Browns. He founded the Negro Industrial and Economic Union, later known as the Black Economic Union as a vehicle to create jobs. In June of 1967, Brown invited other leading black athletes, most notably Bill Russell, and Lou and and Kandor 
the future Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to the office of his economic union to hear Muhammad Ali after Ali had been stripped of his heavyweight boxing title and faced imprisonment for refusing to be drafted in protest over the Vietnam War. In what came to be called the Ali Summit, viewed as a watershed for the development of racial awareness among athletes, Brown and the others at the session publicly voiced their support for Ali. And here is that iconic photo of Brown, Abdul Jabbar Russell, and Muhammad Ali. Baby, you talking about something. But you know, that didn't stop for him there. So, Jackson, just pulling you up, let's keep the photo up. I mean, certainly Jim Brown, one of a kind. I certainly had the opportunity to meet. Mr. Jim Brown, and he was on the mission. He was on the mission trying to help young black, you know, black children, as always, doing what needs to be done when it needs to be done. And I am not surprised that he was willing to stand up at the time when it was really hard to stand up and say right is right and wrong is wrong, and to come to the defense of Muhammad Ali, who was absolutely right in, in his indictment of this country, and he was right about his indictment of the Vietnam War. Your thoughts? Undoubtedly, Jim Brown and and other um, you know black leaders of the time were some of the first people and the first pioneers to really open up doors and create avenues for black people in this country to be successful at all, to be looked at um, as talent. Um, and really, Jim Brown was some of the first people to just change sports in general. Now you look at football, basketball. You know, it's rare to see anybody who isn't black doing really, really well. And Jim Brown was some one of the first people to set that tone. But again, also to just the idea that black people could succeed. Um, and really, the first place that we could get into that door was through entertainment. And now, uh, passions, you know, and now just more and more we're able to spread out. You're seeing black success in more traditional fields and just unorthodox paths. But Jim Brown definitely was somebody who opened a lot of doors. And without him, things definitely would be different. Yeah, and just remind you know the things like Colin Kaepernick, for example, comes to mind. I mean, somebody like Jim Brown, the great Jim Brown, actually laid the foundation for Colin Kaepernick. We think about what the 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 players that won the Olympics, you know, the black players with the black fists held up in the Olympics. I mean, that kind of activism among black athletes is so important in pushing forward the black liberation agenda. To Jim Brown, one of the greatest, and to his family, Monique Brown and everybody, all families and friends, just condolences. His physical presence might not be here, but his spirit will last forever and ever. He is in the ancestral plane. Rest Jim Brown in power and in peace. Well, that is our time today on Unbossed. We are so glad that you joined us today. Hopefully you were edified in some way. You know what it is that we want you to do about this time. It is always, always, always keep the faith, but marry that faith with a whole lot of fight. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.